Pastor Xavier Reese with this reminder. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. Peter says, taste and see that the Lord is good. If not, we'll start craving things that used to feed us. All of a sudden, we're coming, we start craving, we start looking, we start identifying with those kind of people, and we start craving those things of the world. And then it's a tug of war, isn't it? Then who's going to win? Well, the one who you're feeding the most is going to win. It's just that simple. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's been said that the people who live in a golden age usually go around complaining how yellow everything looks. And when it came to the attitude of the children of Israel delivered from a 400-year enslavement from Egypt, from out of their newfound freedom, flowed much complaining. Pastor Xavier continues our series through the Old Testament book of Numbers today with a simple truth study titled, The Problem with Complaining. Entering the department store, a little old lady was startled when a band began to play and a dignified executive pinned an orchid on her dress and handed her a crispy $100 bill. And she was so stunned by it, but she was the store's one millionth customer. Television cameras were focused on her, and reporters began interviewing her. Tell me, one asked, just what did you come here today for? The lady hesitated a minute, then answered, I'm on my way to the complaint department. (laughs) Have you ever been around people who are always constantly complaining? It drives you crazy. To the end of yourself and your patience, It causes you to realize after a while one thing, that the problem is not really the person themselves, but the heart of the person, their attitude, their self-centered. And it's interesting that in in complaining, it's not just one thing that you see wrong, but it's all of a sudden you look around and you can't see anything right. And it's one thing after another, and it takes off like a fire. You know, we look at these fires that have happened all throughout here and really devastated many people. You know, it starts from a little flame, just a little spark. That's all. And you would never think that that type of destruction could happen, but it does. James speaks about the tongue. It's a, it's a little fiery member. It sets on fire the course of hell. And how many little things end up being big things that destroy and just wipe people out? Lives, everything. Um, a good work. Many different things. And so what we want to do this morning is to examine the complaint of Israel as they have gone three days into the wilderness, and we want to learn four things about their complaining, and they're found right here in this chapter. The first one is complaining is displeasing to God, verses 1 through 3. Secondly, complaining makes us vulnerable to crave the things of the world, verses 4 down to 9. And then thirdly, complaining causes others to complain, verses 10 through 15. And lastly, complaining results in yielding to our cravings, verses 11 and 20 and 31 through 35. Let me read it because of the breakup so that you catch a flowing narrative of it. Now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Taberah, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. 
Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense cravings. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish uh, which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Now the manna was like coriander seed and its color was like the color of bedouin. Uh, the people went about and gathered it, grounded it on millstones or beat it in the mortar, cooked it on pans and made cakes of it. Its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. And when the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. Now Moses heard the people weeping throughout the families, everyone at his door of the tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid this burden of all the people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them? That you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, Give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. And if I have found favor in your sight and do not let me see my wretchedness. Verse 18. Then you shall say to the people, Sanctify yourself for the morrow. And you shall eat meat, for you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, uh, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you, because you have despised the Lord who is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why did we ever come out of Egypt? Verse 31. Now a wind went out from the Lord, and it brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp about a day's journey on the south side and about a day's journey on the other side, all around the camp, and about two cubits, which is about three feet above the surface of the ground. And the people stayed up all that day, all that night, and all that next day, and gathered the quail. He who gathered least gathered ten omars, and they spread them out from, for themselves all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was around aroused against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. And so he called the name of the place Kibrath Harabah, because there they buried the people who had yielded to craving. From Kibrath Harabah, the people moved to Hazeroth and encamped at Hazeroth. The first thing we learn about complaining is that complaining is displeasing to God. It's right up front. It's not left to the end of the narrative, but it's right up front, verses 1 through 3. Notice the people complain about God and their circumstances in verse 1. He says, Now when the people complain, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused, and so the fire of the Lord burned some who were on the outskirts of the town. The word complain means to murmur. If you go to the doctor and you tell him, You know, I've got an irregular beat on my heart. He says, Oh, that's nothing, Mr. Jones, don't worry about it. What you have is a murmur. <laughs> And that's really the problem with people's complaining. It's a murmuring of the heart. It's a heart condition. 
It has nothing to do with the circumstance situation. It's a heart condition. It's an attitude which they continued to feed all the time. They had a long history of being complainers. We've gone through the book of Exodus. Some of you remember some of the things that we went through there. But let me just read you a couple. In Exodus 16, verses 2 and 3, it says, Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread in the fullness. And we have brought us out of this wilderness to kill us, the whole assembly with hunger. Keep in mind that meat, that bread, it'll come up again. They began complaining as soon as they left Egypt, right away. In chapter 17, verse 3, he says, And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, What is it that you have brought us out here out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock of thirst? And we can go on, chapter 32, remember that Moses went up to hear the voice of God and receive the law, and after a while he tarried, and they said, you know, I don't know what's happened to Moses, Aaron, you know, maybe he fell, died, or whatever. Why don't you make us some gods and take us back to Egypt? It was one thing after another. It was not any one thing, it was just everything, you know? And that's the way it is with people who are always complaining. It's not really any one thing, it's just everything. And they think they have, that God has given them the gift of criticism. And the best thing they could do was what that evil servant did, bury it. Don't utilize it. Bury it. It's not a gift of the Spirit. It's a disease of the flesh. It is in every one of us if we don't watch ourselves over and over again. They had seen God do great things in Egypt and in the Exodus, and they still did not trust God for their lives. I mean, they had seen miraculous things, and yet... They didn't feel they could trust God for their life. Now, sometimes if we're not careful, you know, we've seen what God has done in our life, bring us out of the world and everything, and the things that He gets us through and all that, and yet something will come to our life and we'll say, oh man, this is a really big one. I don't know if God can handle this. And we don't want to trust Him for that. We figure that we, we can't trust Him for that, and therefore we have to step in and take care of it. And if we don't do that, then we start complaining to God, what would you do? You save me to kill me, Lord? Did you save me for me to be lost? Of course not. It's a dumb question. They had also seen God's judgment in Egypt in the Sinai, and yet that did not stop them. It is interesting as you look at people, maybe you see a, an individual going on a certain way in life, maybe getting involved in drugs or sex or, or trouble or whatever, and you, and you look to them and you say, you know, after so many things happening to them and consequences and, and destruction, you think they would learn and stop. But they don't, do they? You can see it clearly, but they cannot. You see a young person involved in drugs, and you see what the drug is, is doing to them, just corrupting their mind and decaying, their personality changes, their attitude, everything else. They can't see it, but all their friends around can see it. Because you're in it. And so the Lord heard their complaining. And the Lord consumed them with fire. You know, sometimes we have a tendency to say, well, you know, thank God that's the Old Testament. Oh, really? <laughs> I am sure that I have buried many people that God has taken home. I just don't know, and it's none of my business. 1 Corinthians 11 says God kills people. 1 John 5, God says He kills Christians, takes them home. Disobedience. And sometimes we say, well, you know, the Old Testament is, is just, you know, God's fear and His wrath, and, and the New Testament is love. And though that's an accurate observation, at least on one perspective, 
It is wrong. Because the New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old. God's wrath is not poured out upon me any longer because it was poured on His Son. And yet there is chastening, there is judgment that comes through life and circumstance and the direct hand of God. And we must not turn our back or blind our eye and say, well, you know, that's the way God dealt it. No, He continues to work like that. I don't think all the catastrophes that have happened to California and the world around are just coincidence. I think some of it is reaping to what we've sown and others God just intervenes and He starts judging. He starts doing things. The thing is, we just don't know which is which. But we certainly know that He's in control. Notice, secondly, the people cried out to Moses complaining about God's judgment and for Him to intercede for them. Interesting, they complain against God, now they want God to be interceded by Moses. <laughs> A lot of people use God like that, you know. God doesn't do what they want, they get all upside about Him. And then they start receiving some consequences. Oh, God, help me. Emergency God. You know, one of the ones you blow up and you use them, and then when you're done, you roll them up and you put them back in the drawer. There's a lot of that going on in the church today. Only when I need you, only when it's convenient. And not consistency. The repentance was due to the consequences, not genuine repentance. Verse 2, it says, And the people cried out to Moses. Moses prayed for them. It wasn't genuine. How do I know that? Because they're going to do it all over again. How do I know your repentance is not genuine or mine if I don't stop what I repented about? If I continue to do it, my repentance is void. It's not genuine. I'm not turning from it. But also, God spared them through His mercy. I mean, God didn't wipe them all out. He spared them through mercy. And you and I have received mercy. His mercies are new every morning. They're abundant. I mean, there should be reasons why your pastor shouldn't be standing on this pulpit. God should wipe me out. God should wipe you out. And yet God is so merciful to us, in spite of ourselves. The judgment was memorialized, called the place Taborah, meaning burning. God would have you to memorialize the places of chastening and the places of judgment in your life. Not for you to live miserably, for you to remember and to learn and to never go back there again. God would have you to remember those, very much so. If you don't, you repeat them over and over and over again. So complaining is displeasing to God. That's the first thing we learn. It's very basic. Now, please understand that this doesn't mean that God is not concerned with your attitude, with your desires and how you feel. Go to God. Honest seeking of God, God never rejects, no matter how you come. But those people who are constantly complaining and their only concern is to complain, they don't want solutions or obedience, that's what God is talking about. A critical spirit. That's what he's talking about. Notice secondly, verses 4 through 9, that complaining makes us vulnerable to crave the things of the world. The mixed multitude, now the mixed multitude were there among them, yielding intensely to their cravings. And then the children of Israel also wept again. And they said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish that were, we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlics. But now... Our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this stinking manna before our eyes. Interesting. Notice the people's complaining caused them to identify more with the mixed multitude than with the people of God. Complaining causes you and myself to identify more with the people of the world, the mixed multitude, than the people of God. Paul tells the Thessalonians, do everything without murmuring. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Or to serve one another. 
We're to be patient with the things of the Lord and what He's doing. We're to rest upon Him. Notice the mixed multitude came out of Egypt with the people of God in the Exodus. Some were married to Hebrews, unequally yoked, and they were very wealthy. Exodus 12, 38 tells us that they had flocks, they had herds, they were wealthy. They were influential. The mixed multitude caused divisions in the home. And some children did not follow the Lord. Leviticus 24, 10, 11, that case where the young Egyptian young man blasphemed God and they stoned him. If there was not an equally yoked marriages, that would have never happen. You see the infiltration and the effects of the mixed multitude from the beginning. The mixed multitude is always present in the church and yielding to intense cravings of their flesh. Do not think that everybody that comes to this church is born again. Do not think that everybody who goes to the different studies and outreaches are born again. There are people who are not born again. The mixed multitude are single and non-believers, married to believers. But they like the fellowship, they like the benefit, but they still are living under the cravings of their flesh. Be careful you don't get sucked in. Be careful you don't start identifying with them more than you do with the people of God. It's very easy, very progressive. But notice, secondly, that the people were desiring the things of the earth over the things of the heaven, verses 5 and 6. Fish, the cucumbers, the melon, the leeks, garlic, the onions. Old J. Vernon McGee says an apple a day keeps the doctor away, an onion a day keeps everybody away. <laughs> um, but notice all these things, they were earthbound. They're things that you grow on the earth except for the fish. This is all they focus on. This is what would move them. This is what kept them going. The things of the earth, this and that and, that and everything else. But they were despising the things of God. This is what motivated them. Their memory recalled the time in Egypt under nostalgia and colored glasses, thinking only of their appetites, the good old days. Isn't it amazing how beautiful and how enjoying and how neat the past looks as we're in the future looking backwards. They're trying to make Woodstock seem like some great time. <laughs> hey, if you were there, you know. That was crazy. If you grew up in the 60s, you know the 60s weren't that hot. But it seems that we deceive ourselves when we look and say, oh yeah, the good old days. What good old days? Well, if they were so good old days, why aren't you back there? And it's almost like a slap to God in the face. Their memory refused to remember the whip of the taskmasters and the 400 years of bondage. You see, you don't remember about the disappointment. You don't remember about the pain. You don't remember about the ripoff. You don't remember about the loneliness. You don't remember about the dissatisfaction. You only remember the high points because you're down and you're complaining. The enemy is very clever. We don't remember the tragedies, the, the destruction that happened to us or we did to others. Their appreciation for the things of God became distasteful and dissatisfying, complaining about the manna. Manna. Manna in the morning. Manna at lunch. Manna in the evening. Church. Don't you guys ever do anything but go to church? Don't you guys study anything besides the Bible? 
Don't you guys ever talk about anything else? I'm tired of this. I want some spice, some variety. Oh, be careful. Now, am I saying that you can't enjoy the world? No, because the Bible says we live in the world, but we don't live of the world. But your taste and your choices should be that which is going to glorify God. Unless you start with little leeks and little cucumbers and you end up with the garlic and the onions. And you reap to what you sow. See, things suck you in. So you have to make a choice. What do I do? Where do I go? What do I see? Who do I affiliate with? Unless that darkness pulls me in. I mean, I know the darkness. I've been there. I'm not ignorant to it. I know what it can do. The manna is described in various ways that it was prepared, verses 7 through 9, and how they obtained it. And so they had many ways to fix it, and God allowed it to come down in the dew at night, and they picked it up. You can cross-reference that with Exodus 16, verses 14 through 21, and it tells you exactly what they did. The psalmist tells us that it was bread from heaven, and it was angels' food. Psalm 78, verse 24 and 25. Here you have earthly things, heavenly things, and they rejected the heavenly things. They despised them. They became commonplace, and all of a sudden there was no appetite for them. Have you ever liked something, a dish or a fruit or a drink so much, and that's all you drink? You know, you, you drink Dr. Pepper, you drink Pepsi or whatever it is, and then you get to a place where you say, you know, I'm sick of this. Well, this is what happened here. But God would have us to always care for the things of God for Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Peter says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We are to drink the word of God as milk that is unadulterated as newborn babes. And we're to go on to vegetables and solid food and grow and mature and continue on the diet that God has given us. If not, we'll start craving the things that used to feed us. And so complaining makes us vulnerable to crave the things of the world. All of a sudden, we're we start craving, we start looking, we start identifying with those kind of people, and we start craving those things of the world. And then it's a tug of war, isn't it? Then who's going to win? Well, the one who you're feeding the most is going to win. If you're feeding the old man, he's going to be stronger. You're feeding the new man, he's going to win. It's just that simple. But you have to exercise your will. Now notice in verse 10, the third thing we learn about complaining is that complaining causes others to complain. You see, if you were only to complain, then that'd be fine. You know, that's it. You deserve yourself. But that isn't the case. The case is that my complaining causes other people to complain. In verse 10, Moses was displeased with the peoples murmuring and weeping at the tent door, along with God. God's anger was greatly aroused in verse 10. So Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of this tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused, and Moses was also displeased. So Moses was one with God. Moses was not part of the complaint at this point. You can be strong. You can be hearing the complaining. You're standing against it. But you know what? If you're not careful, there comes a point that you will get sucked in. We're going to see Moses, the man Moses, get sucked in. Sometimes we say, well, you know, we stumble just the weak ones, just the young ones. No, no, no. Anybody can be sucked into anything. Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall, is the exhortation in Corinthians 10 from the events here in the wilderness journey. If you think it cannot happen to you, 
then it most likely will. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing out some positive themes through the negative attitudes of the children of Israel on their wilderness journey to the Promised Land, from our series in the Book of Numbers today. And there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply The Problem with Complaining. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is The Problem with Complaining. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com